This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? Oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank that. you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergeff. Hey, thanks for joining us for the podcast uh, once again today. Joining us uh, from the Twin Cities, the voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, Alan Horton, as the Wolves get ready for the final in-season tournament group play game tonight. Alan, unfortunately, kind of a long shot for the Timberwolves to advance at this point, isn't it? It is. It's a little bit of a downer for the uh, as far as the in-season tournament uh, yeah. hopes for the Timberwolves go, but you know it, it shouldn't uh, deter from what um, what is going to be a marquee matchup yeah. at Target Center tonight, the top two teams in the Western Conference. But you're right. Um, the Wolves would need to beat Oklahoma City, uh, and we'll get into tiebreakers in a moment, but they would need to beat Oklahoma City and then later tonight have Golden State beat Sacramento. But that's when things get interesting. They'd have to have Golden State beat Sacramento by 13 or more points, and whatever the Warriors finish above Sacramento tonight, the Wolves would have to be eight points higher than that. Mm-hmm. Then they win a three-way tiebreaker over Sacramento and Golden State. So at the minimum, they'd have to beat Oklahoma City by 21, but they won't know the final number because that game is later in the evening. And so the Wolves just have to go out and try uh, to beat Oklahoma City by as many points as possible. But that's kind of a dangerous mindset to get into. Yeah. This is an 11-5 team. This is a one of the rare teams that is sixth in offense, sixth in defense. They're so well balanced. Um, they're really good offensively, and they're almost as good as the Wolves defensively. So this is a huge matchup. And I don't think you want to go into the game with a mindset of, hey, we got to beat these guys by 21 points. Right. Uh, no, you're, 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 you need to go in just to try to win this game and don't worry about the points. So I think that's the way it'll kind of play out tonight. I think they realize that their chances are slim to none. Um, and they still have a chance at the wild card, too, but they'd have to beat Oklahoma City by even more points, about 38 points to be exact. So wow. uh, that would be that would be even a longer shot. So it's, um, it's going to be a tall task just to win this game, and I think that's what they're focused on tonight. Yeah. Uh, what a fun game, though, tonight for fans to attend. The crowds have been terrific. Uh, they're uh, just really into this season's team with the great defense that they're playing. But, you know, Oklahoma City, what a quick turnaround for them. Uh, they bottomed out for a couple of years, and now 11-5. and five. Chet Holmgren, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, they have some good players. They do. They have a young guy in Jalen Williams. Um, they play the right way. You could tell that this was going to be a quick turnaround. Mark Dagnald is their your relatively unknown head coach, but he's now in his fourth season. They won 22 games, then 24 games, and last year made the jump to 40-42, and 42, and got into the play-in tournament and lost to the Timberwolves on, at Target mm-hmm. Center um, in that final play-in game after the Wolves had lost to the Lakers in that first play-in game. Um, and so, But that was a great run for them, and they've just built off of that. They are relentless, um, and they've got an absolute superstar in Shea Gilgis-Alexander. SGA is, um, once he gets on a roll, I, you know, we just saw De'Aaron Fox the other night, and once you let De'Aaron Fox and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, I think they're similar in this sense, that once you get let those guys get in a rhythm, they control a game. I mean, mm-hmm. they control it. And Fox did that the other night, and SGA can do the exact same thing if you let him. Yeah, it's that speed and, and ability to play at a little faster than everybody else and seeing uh, the floor ahead of him. I mean, he's over 30 points a game. Uh, I, I, I know he was a first-round draft pick, but I guess I didn't see him becoming, you know, maybe the leading scorer in the NBA. 
Yeah, he's kind of flown under the radar, mm-hmm. and they've you know they've done a really nice job of bringing him along slowly. Like mm-hmm. you know, you'll notice he hasn't played a ton of games. He doesn't play eighty games a year, or seventy-five or seventy. Um, you know, they've rested him along the way, and I think with the long game in mind, they knew what kind of talent they had. Um, they 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 wanted to develop him slowly, and now then you kind of unleash him this year, and he's he's missed just one game this season. Uh, but he's got he's got really everything to it. He, he leads the league in drives per game, so he is relentless in attacking the rim. He runs the pick and roll extremely well. He wants to get to the either to the rim or to pull up uh, from the mid range. He's not a terrific three point shooter, but somehow um, even when you play off him, it, it, he makes you pay. I mean, it's enough that it makes it respectable that you have to come out and guard. So he's um, he's like Fox again in that similar sense that they can get to the rim and finish. But also they just hunt the mid-range and the floaters and um, all the little in-between shots that mm-hmm. both of them are so good at hitting. And and Chet Holmgren, of course, uh, Minnesota fans are familiar with him. He's he's one of ours, as Minnesotans like to say. Uh, and he missed last year with an injury and, and looks to be proving why he was the number one overall pick the year before. You know, he would have had um, the same kind of hype that Victor Wembanyama now has for the San Antonio Spurs had he been healthy last year. Mm-hmm. He would have been... He would have been the rookie in the NBA, and he's kind of flown under the radar a little bit this year because of Wembenyama. Uh, but he, he's a he's a unicorn too. He's got he's got this seven foot plus size and wingspan. He's got a seven six wingspan, and he looks to be he doesn't look like a rookie. He he looks more polished, like he's a ten year vet. The way he's got um, the way he has an understanding of the game, the way he's the way he's defending without fouling too. Um, I was just looking up some stats on 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 on, uh, on Chet, and he, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's contesting about 18 shots a game, but he's he's one of the few guys that are contesting so many shots, but also not fouling. He's got almost as many blocks as fouls this year, which is wow. really saying something for a guy, um, you know, who comes in the league and you're thinking, okay, well, he's going to fall for a pump fake here, he'll fake for this jab step or something like that. No, he's on top of all of that. Um, also, he's really polished offensively. He's already shooting 40 percent from three. He's hitting an unheard of forty-eight percent on his catch and shoot threes. He's been he's been really good, and he already has a buzzer beater under his belt. Uh, last week in Golden State, he hit a game tying three in the dying seconds to uh, to force overtime, and the Thunder beat the uh, swept two game series from Golden State. And uh, thanks in large part to Chet, he's been he's been incredible, and I think he'd be having even more publicity again if Wembenyama wasn't uh, wasn't around. Yeah, maybe that pays off for him a little bit, uh, you know, and not quite so much pressure, so much media attention. Maybe, maybe that doesn't matter, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, maybe. It's, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see in this rookie of the year race. I think uh, yeah. I think those two guys certainly stand out as the two rookies, so he'll be eligible for, for because he missed all of last year after hurting his foot guarding LeBron James in, in Jamal Crawford's uh, pro-am up in Seattle uh, last offseason. So he missed all of last season, and, you know, in a way that that – it sucks to go through as a player. You never want to have to sit out for a year, but I, I'm not sure that the Thunder were too upset about that. It gave him a chance to develop some other guys and just kind of get him, get some meat on his bones. Because like Wemba Yama, he's he's long, he's lean, he's thin, um, and and not a bad way to take a year off, recuperate, get your body right, get you know get up to speed on the game, at least watching all that stuff. And I think it's kind of paid off because he he has come in not looking like a rookie. 12 and 4 for the Wolves, best record in the West. Uh, 2 and 1 in the last week since I last talked to you. Uh, you know, so it's it's a lot uh, it's great to talk about the wins all the time, but what do you think happened against uh, Sacramento? What went on with the team there, do you think? 
impressive performance by the Kings, mm-hmm. first off. I mean, they were wrapping up a six-game road trip, and they came out and played. Mm-hmm. They played like they're, they're, they were just as spring and as, fra- as fresh as can be. Uh, really surprising. They looked like the quicker team in their ball movement and their player movement. Um, they blitzed the Wolves for 38 points in the opening quarter, 70, um, 70 in the first half, and that's very impressive, especially against the Wolves' defense that have been so stout. Mm-hmm. At that point, they were number one in the NBA. So, um, credit to, credit to Sacramento. I think um, I think they just came out and played better basketball. Now the mm-hmm. Wolves gave up some numbers that they don't usually give up. And uh, but once you know, once you let an opponent get rolling like Sacramento did, it's tough. Just tough to flip it. Um, they went down big, came back. Uh, they got to within two. The Wolves did from twenty two down to within two. But then Sacramento pushed the lead back out to eighteen by the fourth quarter, and it was pretty much over at that point. But um, I, I think it was just, uh, you know, it's a little surprising because I really felt last year the Timberwolves, even though with the Kings' great success last year, finished third in the West, uh, the Wolves beat them three out of four times, and I thought should have come away with all four wins, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sacramento looked good. They looked determined, They uh, and they had De'Aaron Fox on one of his heaters. He just um, he was too much to stop. You know, I like Dante Sabonis' game, too. He really gets other people involved. He's he's kind of a bigger, a little slower Luka Doncic in a way. Yeah, he's um, you know he's one of these bigs that um, he's not quite the size of Jokic, but um, they do similar type things with him. They like having him facilitate. Uh, he can he's crafty on the glass. I mean, he's not he's not a seven footer either. He's, he, but no. he works his body well um, to position himself for rebounds, and so he's always a triple double threat, just like Jokic is. Um, his shooting touch is probably isn't as great as Jokic. It's not it's not fair to compare anybody to Jokic just because. Right. He is such a freak with his shooting touch inside. But Sabonis is really good. It'd be interesting to see, you know, once we get toward playoff time, um, you know, Sabonis was was kind of a um, taken advantage of by the Golden State Warriors in that playoff series last year. They went at him, and they were able to do some things against him that didn't make him unplayable, but really made him a liability on the floor. And I wonder, I wonder how that changes. Regular season, okay, fine. Uh, but once you get to crunch time in, in the postseason, I, I wonder if he can take the next step and not have what happened uh, against Golden State last year. Interesting. Hey, I thought it was, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Chris Finch talked about he wanted to get Mike Conley involved early against Memphis the other night. And while well, we talked about the Sacramento game where they just took off right from the beginning, the Wolves did that to Memphis. Same thing, they did that to Philadelphia as well. Yeah. In the Memphis game, Conley came right out knocking down threes. He looked to really be kind of the, the key figure. Do they do that once in a while where Finch will say, man, we're not getting this guy involved quite enough. Let's get him involved in the offense early? Yeah, well, they're always looking for ways to tweak the offense, uh, depending on what's happening over the last few games. And what happened in that Sacramento game is it become it became very um, ant iso and cat iso, and not mm-hmm. a lot of ball movement, not a lot of player movement, and it just becomes so difficult to score every trip down the floor when you play that style. And so, to help get that ball movement and trusting the offense back, you run a few plays for Mike and. The great thing is that doesn't necessarily mean that Mike is going to shoot the ball all the time because he's such a smart player. He'll shoot it if he's open. If he's not, he's going to move the basketball, and that just gets everybody going. And So the ball movement was much better against Memphis, and that seems to be one of the Achilles heels, I think, for this offense, which has been in the 10 to 15 range all season, hasn't really clicked. I, I, I still think they can be a top-10 offense mm-hmm. to go along with a top-5 defense. That, that puts you really in elite territory. Uh, but what the Achilles heel is is that 
too often, if the game gets tight, the Wolves stop trusting their offense, and the Ant tries to do too much on his own, Cat tries to do too much on his own. Mm. You know, those guys doing that at the end of the shot clock, okay, fine. But spend the first 20 seconds, 15 seconds of the shot clock running your offense, player movement, ball movement. See if you can get something easier. See if you can get an open look from somebody because that would be a higher percentage look. And it's just, you know, it's I'm a big believer in you play the game the right way. The basketball gods reward you for, for passing up a good shot to make a great shot for a teammate. You do those kind of things, you get rewarded. And I think I think at times the Wolves see that success, but then at other times maybe when the game gets tight or they're playing catch-up like they were against Sacramento – you start to you start to break free of that, and you start to think I gotta I gotta do it, and that's on my own, and that's and that's not the recipe for a comeback. And you don't necessarily want to coach all of that out of your star players either, right? I mean, you still need them to want to take the big shot at the end, uh, like you said, as long as they operate in the offense uh, in a decent yeah. way first. But uh, you know, it's it's a fine line to walk for those guys. It is, and it's um, you, you, know, you don't want to take the creativity out of what mm-hmm. Cat and Ant do best, and, and they score at really high rates at that rate. But over the long term, over 48 minutes, it's tough to sustain an offense solely on that. Yep. And so both those guys have to pick their moments and you know, maybe not do it two possessions in a row or three or four or five, uh, mix things up. Um, there, there are moments, especially when you know, maybe you've gotten into the game and the rotations are a little bit different. You've got different lineups out there. Um, you know, maybe Ant's got more of a green light when he's out there with the with four bench players, or maybe Cat's out there with four bench players or three bench players. You know, that that's more of a time where maybe you 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 hunt for Cat a lot offensively. But even saying that, you can still you can still get it to Ant and Cat through the course of your offense. I mean, the ball ends up finding the best player and the open man. Uh, those guys will get plenty of looks if they just move move it and move themselves, move the ball, and trust that it's going to come back to them because it will. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. I think I forgot to ask you last week about uh, the Golden State kerfuffle uh, that went on. And it seemed like Golden State was really irritated in Game 1 uh, with the Timberwolves. And my theory is that for the first time in their careers, they look at the Timberwolves as having more players and, and being a better team on the floor. And that kind of ticked them off. And then we saw that early in Game 2 against Golden State. What would you think of a crackpot theory or is there maybe a little something to it? I, you know, there definitely was some, um, there definitely was some moments in that first meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, I think, I think the Wolves were just playing well. I think mm-hmm. they were a good team. I think Golden State realizes it. Um, you know, they tried to do some things. You had Chris Paul diving at the knees of, of mm-hmm. Mike Conley, which I thought was an absolutely dirty play. Um, of course, they won't do anything. The league won't do anything to Chris Paul with his stature of the Players Association. And, his path to the to the Hall of Fame and all that kind of stuff. So he gets away with an awful lot. But I, you know, usually it's pushing the boundaries with rules and stuff. But diving at somebody's knees, especially at the age of Mike Conley, um, those two have battled an awful lot in their career. I thought it was an absolute dirty play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Draymond uh, got into it with Ant, a little chirping. You know, it, it seemed to me that the, 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 that the Timberwolves are the young, more balanced, more aggressive team, and there's this older, um, you know, stalwart that's been there, won some titles. But Draymond shouldn't be yelling at me. You know, Draymond can't back up. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's won four rings. Congratulations. But, yeah. you know, him trying to get into Ant's skin. Then you had Nas and Jonathan Kamingo with a little dust up. So I, I think there was a little bit um, from the first game and then the second game. I, I'm, not sh- I'm still not sure why that escalated so quickly. Yeah. I mean, Clay obviously started the whole thing. Yep. When he's trying to box out Jaden McDaniels, and he takes a fistful of his jersey. I mean, nobody boxes out like that. And if you, if you grab someone's 
chest and grab their jersey like that? Well, guess what's coming? A yeah. slap down from the guy's hand who's going to get him off. And Jaden doesn't back down to anyone. Um, and, yeah, the Timberwolves led the league in technicals last year, ejections, flagrants, all that. But you you go at guys like Nas Reed and Jaden McDaniels, I guarantee you one thing, they're not backing down. No. And Jaden didn't back down. And, and there's no, you know, they're equals out there on the floor. It's not a guy who's won four titles and has got the stature of Clay Thompson versus uh, Jaden who's in his fourth year and hasn't accomplished as much, um, certainly at a, at a young age. But he's not backing down. And then for Draymond just to hunt um, – I mean, he looked like he just made a beeline right for Rudy. Yeah. Put him in a headlock. I mean, that was just pretty pretty blatant, and he held it for longer than he needed to. He kept pulling backwards. Yeah. I, I'm still stunned that they kicked him out of the game and suspended him five games. Uh, it was absolutely warranted. I didn't think they had the guts to do it, and yeah. it was great getting in. I was on a uh, San Francisco radio station right after the uh, the next day, and you know they were they were pretty they were pretty. Uh, I thought they saw it pretty clearly, but some of the fans kind of got riled up by yeah. by some of the comments I made that that <laughs> I, I just thought dirt. I, I just thought Draymond made a dirty play. I just you know it's just who he is. That's yeah. that's what he does. I mean, yeah. he's got a beef with Rudy, and I thought Rudy and the Wolves really. On one hand, I wanted to see the Wolves respond, especially when Draymond had Rudy in a headlock, and you know guess what? Both of his hands have occupied. It's a free shot at this guy's face. I mean, he deserves to get punched in the face. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't say that as a you know. Especially in this day and age, I don't want to encourage violence. But you know, when you got a teammate in a headlock, I would have loved to have seen somebody, cat or ant, just pop Draymond yeah. a couple of times, bam, 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 right in the face. Yeah. But guess what? That results in a ten game suspension for you, and that's the rules. Probably don't come back and win that game, and they probably uh, are not sitting where they are right now. So I think they handled things overall in the right way, even though. Pat Bev wasn't too uh, – he had to chime in on everything. We we have to get everything cleared through Pat Bev before we move <laughs> on with the Timberwolves basketball. He wanted to see Cat react a little bit differently uh, and take on Rudy there. But uh, in the end, it was the smart smart thing to do. Yeah, no doubt. So, Oklahoma City tonight, we previewed that. But then it's Utah, Charlotte, New Orleans. You know, it smells a little bit like they could go on another nice little run here. Uh, there's going to be two games before that New Orleans game. Remember, there's a big oh, that's break right. in the schedule for the yeah. So we'll know tonight uh, what next week's schedule will look like. Timberwolves will likely not be in the quarterfinals, so they'll have a game Wednesday and Friday, but we don't know against whom or where those games are going to be. One of them um, is going to be at home. One will be on the road. But the uh, the opponent is TBD, and so um, you have to wait till after tonight's game. It's kind of one of the things they had to do to, to fit in this to fit in this tournament because you don't know who's going to advance and who's not. Right. And then you've got to have the teams that do not make the tournament. Well, they'll match up against each other for these two games. And then the teams that are in the quarterfinals, you know, they match up and then the losers play each other next week as well. So you can still get to 82 games altogether. Yeah. I wondered how they were going to operate at calling those regular season games as well. And then having, you know, the, the quarterfinals and then those teams, well, you know, if they lose, they must play somebody else then to get back to the 82 games. Yeah, they play the quarterfinal losers will play the other quarterfinal ah, losers. That sure. way, that way, that's because uh, the other teams that didn't make the tournament are already already playing, you know, already matched up against one another. So they decide to do it that way, which makes sense. And then the semifinal losers, it doesn't matter because that's, um, the tournament final is not a regular season game because then they'd have to have everybody wow. play an extra regular season game. So it's uh, it gets a little bit complicated, but they've uh, they, they figured this thing out, and it's uh, it's it's going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, I think so too in future years as well. Alan, thanks so much. You got it, Todd. Take care. Alan Horton, voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves on the Todd and Friends podcast. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. 
Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.